It's a Buffy podcast. <laughs> no, no, we got to start again. This is always so awkward for me. Um, <laughs> hello and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer rewatch podcast. My name is Stephanie Chow and my pronoun is she and her. I'm Kara Babcock. My pronouns are also she, her. So this is your introduction episode to this new podcast. And we kind of want to explain a little bit about how we develop the podcast, how we know each other, what our backgrounds are, give you a little bit of context before we jump right into our first episode. Exactly. So if you just want to listen to the recaps, you can skip this episode and go right into the next one where we start with Welcome to the Hellmouth. But if you want to stick around, then we can tell you a little bit about ourselves and also where we're coming from when we watch this series. So the the podcast episodes are spoiler-free. We are not going to reveal any details about upcoming episodes. However, this particular episode is not spoiler-free because we want to have the freedom to mention any opinions that we have on (laughs) Buffy and the characters throughout the whole, like, seven years. So if you are new to the series and you really, really don't want spoilers, just skip this one, at least for a little bit. So who are you? Tell me about yourself. Uh, well, first thing I think people need to know is I'm Canadian. Most importantly. So that is a Canadian, <laughs> that is a Canadian accent. I am 31 years old. I am a transgender woman. Uh, I'm also aromantic and asexual, if anybody's interested, and that'll kind of come up when we talk about whether or not people are attractive, and I have no clue. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm a math and an English teacher at the high school level. I'm a huge book nerd, so when I'm not watching shows like Buffy, I'm usually reading books. I publish book reviews on my own website, kara.reviews. That's kara is K-A-R-A, like Supergirl. And I also do a lot of knitting, and I code websites, including prophecygirls.ca. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I also have another podcast that I do with one of my best friends, Rebecca Scott. It's called We Just Like to Talk. So if you're interested in something that's a little bit more general interest, just two friends having conversations about a different topic every couple of weeks, check us out. And then, yeah, I, I met Stephanie how many years ago? 2008 right oh i you know i think it was 2008 yes that was quite some 12 years ago yes it was yeah because it was that was my um third summer at the gallery and it was my so we'll get into that uh how about you tell us about yourself steph and then we'll get into how we met yeah well uh just like you i am canadian uh we both grew up in thunder bay ontario canada oh yeah oh yeah i am uh, 32 years old i like to call myself a halfy i'm half chinese <laughs> and the other half is white uh so i uh, yeah i'll mention i'm just a white woman <laughs> um <Yeah. laughs> uh, i work in toronto and I am a communications professional in the Canadian construction industry. And I'm obsessed with pop culture. And I love throwing myself headfirst into creative projects just like this one. I also have another podcast called It's Disney's Time where I talk about the Disney universe and all the pop culture elements that come with the films and the TV shows and, and all that good stuff there. So... So yeah, I'm just really excited to launch this new project. I've been excited about it for a long time. And I approached Kara 
knowing that she'd be perfect to do this with me. And that's because Aww. we, well, it's because we worked together at the Thunder Bay Art Gallery in 2008 for a, ble- a beautiful four or five months straight. And you and I talked about Buffy back then. Like 12 years ago, we were talking about Buffy and I'm pretty sure- Which I don't really remember, I have to confess. <laughs> that's, it was a long time ago. It was. Uh, but on my last day at the gallery, uh, you and I <laughs> were manning the desk and no one was coming in. And we watched the last episode of Buffy together. And I remember oh it so Oh my God, clearly. I do remember that do part. You? Now that you mention it, yes. Yeah. Because it was, you know, transgressive, right? <laughs> to be doing that in our boss's office. But um, yeah, yeah. So we had fun. We had a lot of fun working at the art gallery. Mm-hmm. And I should say, I have met so many of my significant friends at the art gallery. The art gallery has shaped who I am as a person. And it's significant to note that after you left the art gallery, and then, of course, you moved away from Thunder Bay, we drifted apart and we didn't really talk as much. Mm-hmm. But, like, I followed you when you were blogging about living in China. Mm-hmm. And we stayed on, like, Facebook and stuff. And then... Fast forward to like a couple of years ago when you started Disney's time and I started like being like, hey, like I'm also podcasting and I'm listening to your podcast and here's my thoughts and stuff. And we started talking back and forth. And so it's it, this is just one of those interesting stories of how, you know, you can meet somebody and feel pretty close to them, be good friends, drift apart for a while. And then at the right time, you come back into each other's lives and you get to do something fun like this project. Yeah, totally. And I think I like to think of that one summer at the art gallery. It's, you know, so poetic to say. But I I just think that was like the that was the marker. It's like I'm supposed to know Kara. I'm supposed to know her. I I mean, I was the one who got away. Right? (laughs) Like, let's be real. I know. It was... It was the summer that you were never going to forget. And you just, every relationship since then, you've just been chasing that high. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, the best relationships, it's all about timing. It's all about timing. So we had our moment in the sun that one glorious summer. And now here we are again. I reached out to you because I had this idea. I was like, I want to do a rewatch podcast. I didn't have to be Buffy. But I wanted it to be something that I knew pretty well. And I needed to do that with someone who, A, knew how to podcast. B, was down for Buffy. Always down to talk about Buffy. And three, is an intellectual. and Because it's not me. So it has to, someone has to be the intellectual. Oh, no. I've been discovered. <laughs> so I, I asked you, and I'm so happy that you came on board. Like, when I get an idea to do something creative, I kind of just... You, you might have noticed, I kind of just like go gung-ho. I go crazy. I jump in both feet and I just want to, I'm like, let's do it, do it, do it. And then here we are two months later, we have a podcast. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, at the time we're recording this, it's not even two months. Steph moves fast, listeners. Um, <laughs> she closes those deals really fast. You got to be careful. Yeah. Um, okay, so Steph, yes. give us some background here on Buffy. I'm assuming most people who came here either have watched Buffy or if this is your first time, cool, welcome. Uh, you probably know a bit about Buffy, but just give us a little taste here, Steph. What are we getting ourselves into? We're getting ourselves into a show that ran for seven seasons from March 10th, 1997 to May 20th, 2003. And it's important for everyone to know that 
there is a Buffy verse. It's not just those seven seasons, that's it. Seasons eight to 12 ran in comic book form, uh, were published by Dark Horse Comics. And Buffy has received critical and popular acclaim. You you might have heard it be called a cult show. It has a cult following. And it has had spin-offs. It's had novels, video games. There's a lot of lore around Buffy. So much so that even the academic world has taken it on. And you can study Buffy as Buffy studies somewhere out, somewhere yes. out there. I don't know where. But it exists. So there's a lot of layers to this universe. Whenever you enter a supernatural show like this, you know, you got to come being ready to want to learn. Right. And and so I'll add that. So Buffy is not just part of the Buffy verse. It's part of a larger Whedon verse. Mm. That is what we use to refer to the various shows created by Joss Whedon, who uh, created Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He wrote the original movie although i don't believe he directed it mm-hmm. um so he he started off in hollywood as a script writer and especially a script doctor and he's been involved in lots of other movies he was mm-hmm. involved in, in one or two of the alien movies um and then buffy was kind of the first tv show that he really got to build as a showrunner himself from the ground up but then after buffy like you said he had angel uh, he had the very short-lived firefly mm-hmm. He had Dollhouse, which stars Eliza Dushku, who's also a prominent character in the Buffy universe. So Joss Whedon, you know, he made a name for himself as this guy who wrote interesting feminist science fiction and fantasy shows. Uh, and, And Buffy was the start of that. And when Buffy came on TV at the end of the 90s, we didn't really have anything like that. Like we had had feminist style shows in the early 90s like sex in the city which kind of were uh changing the way that women could be portrayed on tv in that era Mm -hmm. um but we didn't have any shows that were marketed towards a younger crew that were portraying women in these positions and roles of power so in more recent years joss whedon has come under fire for um Things have come to light in terms of like how he treated people on set uh, and especially some of his more recent behavior. So, I mean, we can kind of like question the relevance of Joss Whedon today. But back at the end of the 90s when he was building Buffy, this was a big deal. And it's also important to note that in addition to Joss Whedon, there were several women who were integral to bringing Buffy to screen and writing and producing the show. Uh, So you had producer Gail Berman, you had writers and producers Marty Noxon, Jane Espenson. So we give Joss Whedon like this credit for coming up with this idea of the blonde cheerleader who can kick ass. Mm -hmm. But we got to remember there were lots of women involved in this production too. Yeah, yeah. And you did mention earlier the the movie that um, this series came after a 1992 film of the same name. But... uh, Joss, Joss and, and these women that you just mentioned, they all came in and revamped it for a younger audience for network television. And the WB network is what picked it up because they uh, were catering their shows to the younger audiences. 
And that's why Buffy became a name for that for that network and how Buffy got its very popular start. Mm-hmm. As we know, Buffy started in 1997 and it's changed a lot. It's going to change a lot. And that's one of the yes. reasons why I'm so excited to rewatch the series. Like, I mean, like, let's just let's talk about our, our buff history. Let's talk about how we have experienced Buffy in the past. And and for me, okay. I've watched it maybe all the way through, I would say fairly three times in my life. The first time I was a teenager uh, and then twice in my 20s, probably in my very early 20s when I was still in university, with actually with you that summer, I'll be watching it. And then I watched it again. I remember very clearly watching it when I was 25. I was in Toronto and it was on Netflix at the time. Or was it? Nice. I think it was on Netflix. So I was I, I binged it then. So it's been a, a solid seven-ish years since I've watched the series. And I, I watch my favorite episodes here and there. Interesting. So but would you say, like, how good is your memory of the series? I would say I, I'm pretty confident. If I went to, like, a Buffy trivia night, I think I'd do okay. But I wouldn't know we the nitty-gritty. We should totally do a Buffy trivia night together one of these days. Yeah. <laughs> like, like they, they must be doing them on Zoom. I don't know how they stop people from cheating. But <laughs> they must be doing Zoom trivia nights. And so you and I should, like, dial in and just be like, and yeah, we're the, the Posse podcast. girls. <laughs> like, we've got the team name. Like, <laughs> We're not dorks. <laughs> um, Spoiler yeah. alert, we're total dorks. We're, we're such dorks. Uh, but no, I'm totally down for that. And that, like, that's why I feel like I feel like I'm still sharper than your average watcher. But there are a lot of tidbits. There's going to be a lot of scenes that I'm going to re- be rethinking. Okay. I'm older. I'm more mature. You know, I'm a woman. I'm going to be looking at these. (laughs) I'm going to be looking at this stuff a little bit differently now in my 30s. And I'm excited for that. Yeah. So I watched Buffy kind of similar to you. I've I've watched it several times. I've lost count. I would say I can't quite quote every episode, but I can probably tell you within the first few seconds of each episode what's going to happen in the episode. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's that's how my memory works. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a very good memory of kind of the arc of the series and the major points and stuff because, again, that's how my, how my mind works. I love stories. Right. Um, so it's interesting to note, and we, we set our ages up top, but we are kind of at, at a, an interesting age where – we're not quite Buffy's contemporaries. So Buffy was in high school in 1997. I graduated from grade eight the same year that Buffy finished. So we're a little bit younger than Buffy, Mm -hmm. but we're old enough that we remember that era. Like we remember the big CRT monitors. We remember, you know, kind of that level of technology. We remember what it was like before everybody had cell phones and the internet in their pockets. Mm -hmm. So that's what I remember is I would watch Buffy kind of a little bit younger than I probably should have been. Um, <laughs> I watched reruns on Space and on YTV, which so was did this I. wonderful I watched on Canadian Space. network. Yeah, oh well, God. Space would do like these 26-hour Buffy marathons on yes. like Boxing Day. And I'd stay up for like 26 hours back when my body was capable of doing that and rewatch these episodes. Um, the only time... I, wa- I got to watch season seven when it was first broadcast, which was exciting. Although also... Not so exciting because I didn't I didn't really like season seven the first time <laughs> or the second time or the third time. I will say the most recent rewatch I did kind of grew on me. Uh, we'll get there. Um, so Buffy has a lot of meaning to me. And I was already a huge science fiction fantasy nerd. So Buffy was the exact 
like kind of show to captivate me but i love it's such a good show in terms of its story and the way that the the whole buffy verse grows and these characters you know i i switched over to angel uh in time for its last season after buffy finished because angel was kind of like one season behind in terms of its lifetime Mm -hmm. so i got to watch season five of angel live yeah and uh even then i'm just like wow like these characters have really grown over seven years and you don't see that with a ton of tv series partly because they don't always last that long but also because a lot of tv series especially during that era weren't serialized yet so to me perhaps one of the most interesting things about buffy is that Buffy is probably what I would call one of the last great shows that really tried to balance serial storytelling with episodic storytelling, at least as far as genre shows go. Mm -hmm. You know, these days TV is so serialized and it's more like watching like a six to ten hour movie, which fine, like I want that sometimes. But sometimes I just want to toss on a season that has like 22 to 26 episodes and sure, Maybe half of those episodes are garbage and filler. Right. But that's just what I want because I want more of it, right? I want my candy. And TV shows these days don't give that to us. And maybe the protection quality is better, but I just, I really, really miss episodic television. And Buffy does have fantastic story arcs throughout each season, mm-hmm. but it also has good episodic storytelling so i am that's one of the things i'm excited for with this podcast is just not just re-watching it and getting to watch it with you but just getting to immerse myself in that wonderful balance of story arc versus episode there's so many shows that followed buffy that owe buffy a debt for the way that it set up those episodes the way it set up those season arcs like mm-hmm. think about smallville charmed like supernatural vampire diaries like these shows owe it to buffy for the way that they were created. Um, Agreed. The way that they were run. And I, I completely agree with you. I think that's what's exciting about Buffy is knowing it from when you first started watching it to the how TV is now, like Buffy kind of set the tone for that stuff. Like maybe it wasn't the only original one to do it, but definitely set the bar for how it could be done well. The fact that Buffy ran for seven seasons, Angel ran for five. I mean, that shows that it's good storytelling and the characters had a lot of places to go and they go far <laughs> in, these, they do. in these shows. Like for any of you who are watching it for the first time with us, oh my God, you're in for such a treat. Oh, it's going to be so fun. I, 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 Okay, so I was introduced to Buffy through Angel actually because I was just an avid WB fan. I watched any show that was on the WB and I came to Buffy later because obviously like you said we were too young to have been watching it in its when it first came on um so i was watching angel season four and Mm -hmm. i was entranced i was like angel is so good that if you remember angel season four is really good and um that oh no i disagree oh strongly well, well we can talk about that on a different day my point is it was good enough to get me into the show and I was like, what is this Buffy? Like, I, I, it didn't occur to me that shows could cross over. And it didn't occur to me yeah. that you could have these, like, long, arching storylines. So that's when I got introduced to Buffy. And Buffy, like you said, was running on the Space Channel. But instead of, like, those marathons, it was running at 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. every mm-hmm. morning. And <laughs> when I found that out, um, and I found out it was on se- starting season one, I used to wake up 
at 1.59 a.m. every morning. I'd go downstairs. I would press record on my VCR so that the VHS would start recording the show. And That's of course, dedication. Might I just add that those cassette tapes only ran for an hour and 45 minutes. So I never got the last 15 minutes of the second episode <laughs> in the morning. Oh. <laughs> so I would, that's when I would start relying on the internet to tell me the rest of the synopsis, right? So, wow. so that's how I got introduced to Buffy was actually through its spinoff. And um, by the time I caught up, to Buffy, it was the end of Buffy season seven. The last, I remember watching the last three episodes live. Like I would tune in week after week to watch them. So I watched the final se- the final episode and I remember like, cause I caught up so quickly. Actually, I binged it. I binge watched Buffy before you could binge watch anything. <laughs> um, and I was just hooked and I've been hooked ever since. And I'm really excited. I'm really excited to be reacquainted with Buffy and her friends and yeah. Angel. And I'm also like, what I will say about the podcast is I'm excited to do it with you. Like I said, like I chose you. Wow. You're my chosen one. You did. I'm the chosen one. The the one who will stand against all the trolls, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. The one that'll keep me in check, perhaps. Um, but I, I, I'm excited to do this with you. I think that um, we're doing we're doing this very uniquely, Kara. Like, like we said, you and I have not hung out since 2008 but we've been social media buddies this whole time. And now we're A, in a pandemic, so we wouldn't have been able to record in person anyway. But B, like I live in Toronto, you live in Thunder Bay. So majority of these recordings are going to be what what we're doing now online. Uh, And then one day, like for some special episodes, maybe I'll make it to Thunder Bay and we can do it in person when we're allowed to be around people again, (laughs) because it's still the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I agree. I'm excited for this. I'm excited to get reacquainted with you as well as getting reacquainted with the show. Um, like you said, obviously my perspective has changed. This will be my first time watching Buffy since I realized and came out um, as a trans woman. So that'll be interesting. Just, you know, before I was watching it from the perspective of, oh, I, I thought of myself as a cisgender man. Mm-hmm. Um and so, for example, as somebody who thought of herself as a man who always had a lot of female friends, it kind of was tempting to identify with Xander, right? Because he had Buffy and Willow. That was the friend group. I, I you know, I was the quote unquote man mm. in a group full of women. But I mean, maybe this is one of those things in hindsight where it's like, oh, actually, you're not a man, Kara, because uh, I never really felt comfortable identifying with Xander. And, right. and the, every single time I rewatch this series, I see more and more like problematic aspects to Xander, which we will get into as as we see them in in the the episodes. Like I get why people want to see him as this like fun like normal guy with a heart of gold. But he's got a little darkness, a little meanness to his sense of humor and it started to grate on me, especially, you know, in later seasons. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, Xander's one of these characters where each time I rewatch the series, I'm just, I'm reevaluating the characters and what I think of them. And my opinions on some of them have really changed over the years. And Xander's one who is, I think he's falling from favor for me. (laughs) So I'm really interested to see what I think of the show now that I'm approaching it with this perspective of like, hey, like, 
I'm a woman and I've always been a woman, but I just realized that, you know, because I always enjoyed the feminist aspects of Buffy and the way that it was all like women power and stuff. And, you know, maybe deep down I was like, yeah, like that's me. <laughs> um, that's what I want to be. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what thoughts I have as we watch the show. Yeah. And like uh, Xander's a good character for us to explore for sure, because I'm like, even in our current context, the fact that, you know, we aren't in the 90s anymore, we're in the 2020s. And he's not going to be looked at the same because white cis males aren't looked at the same anymore. Uh, and I think that's going to go with a lot of characters and a lot of situations that we're going to come across. Like I'm personally terrified of how I'm going to think of Giles and how I'm going to think of Angel or like any of these mm-hmm. men that I loved when I grew up. I mean, I, I'm going to tell you straight up, I do not look very favorably on the whole Angel-Buffy romance. I think it's creepy AF because he's like 200 years old and she's 16. So there's a huge age gap. Um, But we'll get to there. Well, we're going to get to there. And I'm going to come out right now. This is, like we said, this episode is not spoiler free. I am Buffy and Angel. I wanted to know that, yeah. I've always been Buffy and Angel, maybe because Angel was my gateway into the universe. But I honestly loved their romance and I'm a little bit terrified now that I'm older um a little bit scared to see what my adult perspective will be on them because obviously when I was like 13 or 14 watching their love story unfold I was like wow like wish I could have I know that. yeah <laughs> as long as you're not Buffy and Riley we're good stuff. <laughs> yeah that's 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 fine and like even like you know we'll get to there but Buffy and Spike I've always had strong opinions about that couple and I think Spike is one of the most interesting characters on the show oh I agree with that I will I am not for Buffy and Spike and I never have been and I, I cannot wait till we get to those seasons where we could really dive into why that's more problematic than Angel and Buffy in my Abs- opinion. No, I oh, I agree that yeah. Buffy and Spike are also problematic. <laughs> and I, I mean, I think this is where we're going to get into uh, some of the criticisms I have to level at Joss Whedon in particular. And the fact that, you know, Buffy is a, f- a show. I don't like calling it a feminist show because I don't think we should call like media feminist. I think we should apply feminism as a critical theory, like a lens to look at media, right? So there's no such thing as feminist media. It's just, you know, you can look at media from the theory of feminism and ask ourselves like what kinds of stereotypes we see, what are the power dynamics? So when we apply feminist theory to Buffy, it's like, yes, she's an empowered woman, but it's also often heavily filtered through the male gaze of Joss Whedon, right? And what a man thinks of Mm -hmm. is an empowered woman. And there's this almost like torture aspect to it where it's like Buffy can't be happy. Buffy has to have the weight of the world on her shoulders. You know, Buffy's relationships with men always have to have this like really sour and, and almost like blaming the woman for it, right? When we get into like why Angel goes bad, why Riley kind of turns away from her. I suspect I'm going to have some comments there about how, like, it's not any one thing, but it is this pattern that emerges in this series mm-hmm. of, you know, I think Whedon has this almost fixation with powerful, quote unquote, strong female characters who have this fatal flaw that they feel like they can't find love or that they can't be loved, you know, and I think that's interesting. I think it repeats itself in Firefly and Dollhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I, I would love listeners to give us your comments and, you know, share 
your thoughts as the series develops based on how you're watching it now if you're rewatching it with us versus maybe what you thought when you watched it the first time yeah absolutely and and i will say like here and now in the first episode that uh, i'm gonna be keeping my eye on joyce buffy's mother because okay. I, I never thought much of her character i never thought much of joyce as at all but now I'm in my early 30s and I feel like Joyce and Giles and any adult on the show is going to come across differently to me. And particularly because Joyce, you know, we all know the episode The Body in season five. And uh, like I I lost my mother at the exact same age as Buffy. I was going to ask you about that. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. And like I like looking at this from that particular experience of mine, I, I just I'm really curious and excited and nervous Mm -hmm. to dive into that aspect of the show to see how it felt Mm -hmm. because I think watching it before I was kind of watching it from my shallow gaze but I think now diving in I'm really curious to know what I think about Joyce and Buffy yeah okay so Mm -hmm. here's a question going into this rewatch and I know we're going to be reevaluating everything Mm -hmm. do you have a favorite character is there somebody who stands out for you as like, yes, like at the, this time before I rewatched this, this is my favorite? Uh, yeah, you know, going into Buffy before, my favorite character has always been Anya. Yes, that's mine. <laughs> yeah, Anya's oh. a good one. And um, I'm not going to lie, like, uh, honestly, like Spike is a very fascinating character absolutely i wouldn't say he's my favorite but i agree that he's fascinating i never supported him and buffy together but spike is an entertaining as fuck like he is so fun to watch watch him change watch him grow watch him yes because he comes to the show as like a villain in season two and we don't expect him to stick around right Mm because he's absent for season three Mm -hmm. so when he comes back in season four we're like whoa like spike Mm -hmm. And, and i i don't know that they planned for him to become such a big deal because i i know that they originally had the five-year plan yeah with you know the big finish in season five but i'm not sure how much spike was a part of that plan Mm -hmm. but james marsters was just so good at spike and so good at that journey of being like this really terrifying villain in season two Mm -hmm. and then over the chorus of the next four or five years doing this face turn and yeah it's really fascinating like you said but yeah for me Anya is currently my favorite character yeah partly because of her change and her growth but also just because she tells it like it is she does not (laughs) bullshit no she has some of the best lines in the series she has the best line the best speech in the body for that reason Uh uh-huh so Anya's my girl we don't see her for a little while, but when she comes, I'm excited to see her and to see how I'll I'll take to her character now in a, in an older yeah. perspective. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, we have Cordelia, and we all know anyone oh, who yes. watches Angel, anyone who's who's watched Buffy and Angel knows that Cordelia changes significantly. And um, I came into Angel with Cordelia how she was in season. Oh my four. god! Yeah, what was that like? 
I don't know. I don't. I honestly don't remember what it was like to okay. witness new Cordelia versus high school Cordelia. Um, but I have a love for Cordelia that I think anyone who's going to be new and watching the series with us is going to be like, why are you obsessed with I Cordelia? Know. Yes. <laughs> well, you and I, are, we're, we're going to be in the same boat, thanks. I totally okay. agree with you on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a couple okay. characters we're going to be keeping our eye on over the series. And we hope that everybody who's listening along or watching along with us let us know your thoughts on how these characters start out because agree you know you might have a completely different view than ours one last question yes do you at the moment have a favorite season or you know part of a season that you're kind of really looking forward to you know it's if you ask me like what my favorite harry potter book it's always a very long like reply because it's like well this is my favorite but this is the best book so i'm gonna do something okay. very similar right now where my favorite season of buffy is season three but i think season two is its best season interesting i do so i i say uh. that because i think i kind of agree with you oh. um it's changed for me over the years mm-hmm. definitely like this is one of the things i remember about my rewatches mm-hmm. and when I was younger, I think I thought that the later seasons were better. And this is very interesting to me because, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost like as I got older, I've like revised my opinion for the earlier seasons. I agree. I think season three is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, I hated season four the first couple of times I watched it, mm-hmm. probably because of Riley. Yeah, probably. Um, but also I think it was it was that whole transition into college and until I was old enough to go to university, I didn't get it. So every time I watched the series while I was in high school, we would get to season four and I would just roll my eyes and just be like, what the hell is going on? Because I didn't get it. I didn't get the college life. I didn't get the obsession with boys. I still don't get the obsession with boys. But, um, you know, that never clicked for me. And now that I am older and I've watched it since I've been in university, season four has grown on me. I appreciate mm-hmm. it more because mm-hmm. it is this shift from like teenage Buffy to adult Buffy yes um I didn't like season seven because it was just so fucking dark (laughs) and darker than six well six was melancholy I would say yeah season seven is just dark and and I appreciate season seven more now that I've watched it a few more times it's still not my favorite though but that's just like an appreciation thing but I that's so interesting you said that I think I agree because I was thinking about this in preparation for recording I'm like Okay, objectively, Kara, personal preference aside, what is the best season? Yeah. I think it has to be season two. Yeah. And I'm so interested as we get through it, yes. you know, if our opinions are going to change. So I cannot wait to go on this journey with you. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I'm, I'm so excited to see how our analysis of this of each episode and then the season is going to change this opinion of what I have from my own knowledge of it from the past. Right. Uh, because I think arguably the best episodes of Buffy, um, a lot of them are in the later seasons. And that's that balance between episodic and serial storytelling I was talking yeah. about, right? Where it's yeah. like they have some really standout episodes, but I, I think the the story arcs, I don't want to say they're not as good. I think the story arcs are great in the later seasons. Mm. I just think there's something about the magic of the the earliest seasons, season two and three that the later seasons don't quite get to. I mean, because well, let's, let's be real. Like, The Gift, one of the best episodes of the series. Uh, yes. Um, and I also want to say, like, The Body, Hush, Once More With Feeling. These are award-winning yep. 
episodes or award nominated anyway and but i mean can you you really like say that the troika are great buffy villains <laughs> like will anybody make that argument i guess if we'll... you will write into us <laughs> uh but i i'm sorry and like once again this is this is a spoiler filled episode I'm sorry, but the stakes are never higher. Emotions are never more intense than at the end of season two. Because fair enough, that is we're gonna that get is there. A gut punch. But oh, like, yeah. I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna ask you so that we both can answer. What is your favorite episode of Buffy? Probably the gift. That's the one that always makes me cry because that speech that Buffy gives John. I'm gonna. Cry. I might cry now as I think about it. <laughs> I quoted that. I played it to myself. Like. Oh, it's one of the most beautiful things ever. Mm-hmm. And it's such a selfless act. Mm-hmm. And if if Buffy had ended after that episode, it might be one of the most perfect series finales I've ever watched. I, I remember when I was living in England, at one point, one of my colleagues from Australia was a huge Buffy fan. So we ended up doing a marathon where we like each picked like our top five episodes. Mm-hmm. I think I did a blog post. Let me look it up. <laughs> Yeah, let's see what 2013 Kara thought was her number one. Yeah, Kara said the gift in 2013. Okay, and you would stick with that now, eight years later? Apparently, because <laughs> that was what my knee-jerk reaction was. It was. My favorite episode is uh, Becoming Part 1 and 2. So I am curious to see if that changes. Like, maybe I'm going to find... Imagine it's like... Uh, <laughs> what's, it called? what's the one where, where Xander is the star? The Zeppo. That yeah, was like, my um, number 11. I was going to say, what if, imagine that it's the Zeppo well, all of a sudden becomes my favorite one. You know, like we're not going to I'll put know. a link to this. Yeah, I'll put a link to this blog post in the show notes for this episode. So mm-hmm. if anybody is curious and doesn't mind spoilers, uh, you can check out 2013 Kara's Top 11 Buffy the Vampire Slayer episodes. <laughs> well, that's just a little a little taste of why we're excited, what mm-hmm. this podcast is going to be about, uh, a little Buffy history for you. But basically, thank you so much for coming on this ride with us. You can always reach us on our social media accounts and on our website as well as our uh, Gmail account because we want to hear from yeah. you. We want you to join the conversation. We definitely want to hear from you. We want to read comments on the air, if that's what you can call it with a podcast. And and we promise we're like, we're not going to drag anybody. Like if we don't agree with you, we would love to hear like dissenting viewpoints as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe Steph, we should just explain kind of how we're going to be running things for the first season of Buffy. So we've decided for season one that we are going to post two episodes a week. Uh, And that's because we just know that season one is kind of a standalone season and we want to get through it so that we can get to the meatier season two. Yeah, well, season one is shorter and and it's not as good quality. I don't think anybody would say season one is their favorite season. Mm -hmm. It has its moments. Mm -hmm. Um, And we also like... Just like Buffy season one, you know, our podcast is going to take a little bit of time to find its footing. Mm -hmm. So we're excited to do that. So, yeah, we're going to record and release two episodes a week for season one. So just so you're aware, as you're listening to those episodes, we're not going to get to listener feedback right away because we will have the next episodes already recorded. But once we hit season two, we're going to go to one episode a week. And we will still have like a couple of episodes recorded in advance to give us some buffer room. 
but at that point we will start including listener comments so you can write into us from the moment you listen to our first episode Mm -hmm. and and we will post and respond to you on social media and and email and stuff but it'll just be a few episodes before you actually hear us read listener comments on the air and uh yeah and and i i want to say you know to close this out like we want to be an inclusive podcast you know i'm trans and and ace and arrow um you know steph is half chinese like we're not going to tolerate bullshit coming from people in our community and if we make mistakes you know if we use the wrong language if we say something that's a little bit offensive point it out to us call Mm -hmm. us out and we will get better and that is my promise yeah, and I will say that Kara has been doing that to me on my podcast for three years. <laughs> so it's been, it's, I'm used to it. I wasn't going to say anything, Steph. <laughs> I appreciate it, though. I did. Like, I, that's how you learn is for someone to be like, hey, maybe think about it this way. And that's how we grow. That's how we move from being just a potential slayer to a slayer, you know? Ooh, I like Ooh. that. Well, all right. This was fun, but uh, please Go move on to the next episode, which will be episode one. Welcome to the Hellmouth. Bye. (laughs) Bye.